As our thoughts are toward the Lord's table this morning, I, I do want us to read two of the verses that, from Romans 1 that we've been just focusing on so much and just keeps coming back to over and over again. That verses 16 and 17 in Romans 1. And then we're just going to talk about what Jesus has done. What he has done. Talking about the gospel. Romans 1, 16 and 17 from the New King James Version. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, the gospel of Christ, for it the, is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the gospel of Christ, for in it, The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, help us to know you more, as Brother Scotty said. Help us to know you more. Holy Spirit, be our teacher this morning. Draw us close to Christ. Draw us close to the cross. Help us to see the power of the gospel this morning. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Uh, I'll just read a lot of scripture this morning. Very familiar. You've heard throughout the years on Communion Sunday. Uh, 1 Corinthians, 1st chapter, verses 21 through 24. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe who does he save those who believe and i know i talk about that so often but i i want to i hope you see how often it's in scripture it it keeps coming back to that it pleased god through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block, still is today, isn't it? To the practicing Jews, they're still waiting for a Messiah who hasn't come. And so Jesus Christ is a stumbling block for them. Uh, But we preach Christ crucified, to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Gentiles foolishness. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing until the light of Christ shines upon them. But to those who are called. Called what? Or called by who? (laughs) Well, we we talked about called saints in in the first part of Romans 1. The called of God. How about that? But to those who are called, called of God, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. To those whom God calls through Christ Jesus, the gospel, it becomes the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's that's what Paul said in Romans 1, isn't it? Same thing. The power of God and the wisdom of God. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Um, It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Christ, the power of God, the gospel message preached that all who believe might be saved, might have eternal life. Christ, the power of God to salvation. All who believe will be saved. Who needs saving? Everyone. Everyone. 
Everyone born after Adam and Eve, except Jesus Christ, born into sin, children of wrath. Everyone, all are guilty, none righteous, Romans 3.10. For it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. How about Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then what is the penalty for sin? Romans 6.23. For the wages, for the cost of sin, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, I, I hope you have these verses memorized, that you can go to many, many will say the Roman road if you're talking to someone and, and trying to uh, talk to them about their sin, and they're, they're like, I'm okay. Well, I'm okay. Well, wait a minute. All, uh, scripture says all have sinned. All have sinned. That there's none righteous. Be- because until someone comes face-to-face with their sin, can there be salvation? Sin is what has us separated. And there must be an acknowledge of sin. How can you repent of something that you don't even know you have? There must be an acknowledgement of sin. And then the good news, the gift of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages, the cost of sin is death. The law of God demanded a sacrifice for sin. And the sacrifice from the Old Testament, the, 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 uh, the types and shadows that was brought forth was the, the sacrifice of a perfect lamb or a perfect blood sacrifice. Because without a blood sacrifice, no remission for sin. Let's go to Hebrews. Let's read it. Hebrews 9. Let, let's read verse first. Let's read 19 through 22. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. No remission of sin. Uh, Let's let's back up now. uh, Verses 11 and 12 in Hebrews 9. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. See, now, now to me, here's here's a verse that, that should just grip every born-again believer. The old covenant. The tabernacle, within it, the holy of holies, that only once a year the high priest would enter the big curtain, no windows inside. This was the presence of God. And inside the ark of the covenant, and upon the the ark, the, the mercy seat, And once a year, the high priest and only the high priest, after a cleansing, would go inside and and would have incense that that would cause a smoke to shadow 
protect them from the presence of God. And he would offer for the sins of the people and himself upon the mercy seat the blood sacrifice. What did Christ do? The high priest. (laughs) He went into the Holy of Holies. To the mercy seat. Didn't offer the blood of a, a bull or a calf, but offered his own blood. The high priest gave himself as a sacrifice for sin. That gets me. That's what Christ did. He gave himself. But with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. No other sacrifice ever needed again. In fact, what happened to the curtain of the temple? The Holy of Holies was torn uh, when, when Christ died upon the cross. Now we entered through Christ, no longer into the Holy of Holies and with, with, a, with a worldly high priest, but with Christ, our great high priest. Let's go to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verses 4 through 14. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he... When Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. I believe that's talking about covenant. It's talking about covenant. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Amen. Of what Christ has done. That those who are in Christ, who are covered by the blood of Christ, saved, sanctified, justified. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also suffered once, once for sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. That's why Christ came. To give himself a sacrifice, a payment, the propitiation for sin. The just one, Jesus Christ, for the unjust, that's me and you. Why? That he might bring us to God. That he might bring us to God. Christ died the atonement for sin. Let's go to verses 19 and 20 in Hebrews 10. Therefore, brethren having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Christ, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil, that is His flesh. That's the new and living way we just talked about. The, the veil of, uh, that was separating the holy of holies was torn, and now we come into the presence of Christ, coming uh, uh, through Christ to God the Father, the new covenant. In Matthew 26, verse 28, 
For this is my blood of the new covenant. He takes away the old, brings the new. This is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Why? For the remission of sins. Now, again, I always like to point out, this this is not just for the Jews, is it? It's not just for the Jews. This is for the Gentiles. Let's read Ephesians 2, just a portion, verses 11 through 13. Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. That's talking about the Jews calling the Gentiles the uncircumcision, you see. Verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That was us before Christ. But now, (laughs) but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, by the work of the cross. Uh, Verses 19 and 20. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. But now, for those who have believed, those who have received Christ, now, no longer strangers and foreigners, fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Colossians 1. Colossians 1. Verses 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. It's all about the cross. It's all about the sacrifice of Christ, the blood of Christ. Uh, Drop down to uh, verses uh, 19 through 22. For it pleased the Father, we're going to read from Isaiah a little bit later, and it's going to be wording much like this. For it pleased the Father, that in Him all the fullness should dwell, that in Christ all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him whether things on the earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. How did peace come? How did reconciliation come? The blood of the cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. It's all through Christ, the gospel, through what Christ has done, the work of the cross. We have been reconciled to God because of Christ's death upon the cross forgiveness of sin is only by the work of jesus christ upon the cross only only through the gospel of christ it is the power of god unto salvation to all who believe it's all about him it's all about the gospel in acts 13 verses 38 and 39 therefore let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, and he's talking of Christ, is preached to you the forgiveness 
of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. They were, he was laying, laying it down, wasn't he? That through this man, this Christ, is preached to you the forgiveness of sin, and by him everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Is there any other way to be justified before God the Father than through Christ? The law? You mean we can't keep the law and be justified? No, no. And there are many people today who believe that. They're law keepers. And many of them have just made up their own set of laws. Them and God, you know, they've got their own deal worked out. And as long as they, as long as they do these things and, and don't do too many of these things over here, they're going to be okay. That's what they're trusting for their salvation. They've got their lists. The salvation is not by works. I guess I could say this, it is by the work of the cross. It's not by our works, but it is by His work. It's okay for me to say that, isn't it? It is by His work, by His work, by the work of the cross. Now let's go to Romans 3. Romans 3. We're just going to do verse 19 to start. There's, there's no other way than by the gospel of Christ and the work of the cross, not of works, not of the law. In, in verse 19 in Romans 3, Paul says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped. Now, now let me pause for just a minute. He had just talked about this in Romans 1, didn't he? That there there will be none without excuse. That every mouth will be stopped. And all the world may become guilty before God. Now, does the law have purpose today? Even yet today? Yes. Yes. Uh, what does the law do? Reveal sin. The law reveals sin. The law is not sin, but it reveals sin to the point that all the world is guilty, none righteous, no, not one. And the Apostle Paul uh, he talks about this. Uh, let's go jump over to Romans 7, verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Well, certainly not. No, it's not sin. On the contrary, I would not have, and this is Paul talking, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. See, see, the, the law is yet our tutor, if, to put it that way, our teacher. Uh, that, that exposes sin. Uh, that it's the helper, the, the word used by the Spirit to reveal our sin. Let, let's uh, go to Galatians 3. And we're going to come back to Romans 3 in just a moment, but I want us to bring out these Scriptures. In Galatians 3, verses 21 through 25. Is the law then against the promises of God? <laughs> Certainly not. No, no. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the Scripture has confined all under sin. Again, keeps coming back to that. All are guilty. 
that every mouth will be stopped all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those, uh uh-oh, here it is again, those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept under the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor, our teacher, to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Now, now, uh, by faith, we keep His commandments. Are we saved because we keep His commandments? No. We, we keep His commandments because we're saved. That should be our desire to be well-pleasing to Him. And so, if we love Him, we will keep His commandments. Now, Let's go back to Romans 3 and pick up again at verse 19. We're going to read through 27. If we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Oh, how was it revealed? (laughs) Through Christ, through Christ, through the gospel, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation, a payment, by His blood, through faith, to demonstrate His righteousness because of His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Let me pause there. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We took it back to that, that last uh, plague uh, the, and, and about the, the, uh, the destroyer. But when they saw the blood, what happened? The destroyer passed over. And now, when... We're covered by the blood. When judgment comes, what happens? I will pass, I will pass over you. Whom Jesus set forth as a perpetuation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because of His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Why? To demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, by the law of faith. It is by faith in Christ, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. By faith, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. Oh, you know this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You see, God the Father is a just Judge, the penalty for sin must be satisfied, and it was satisfied for all who believe by the gospel of Christ, by Jesus Christ giving himself upon the cross. You see, the the bad news, if you want to call it the bad news, is sin and the wrath of God that is coming upon all sinners. Then the gospel, the good news is God has provided a way. 
a way for your sins to be forgiven. And the only way, the only way that sins are forgiven is by the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ, the gospel. We were redeemed, purchased, pardoned by the blood of Jesus. 1 Peter 1, verses 18 through 19. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. See, all who by faith believe. Believe. They see, that holy and completely justified. See, upon believing and receiving Christ, upon being covered by the blood of Christ, see, there was a covering offered by blood, and it was Christ upon the cross. Having believed, being holy and completely justified, our position before God the Father is now holy, blameless, and above reproach, not because of anything we have done, but because of Christ. But because of Christ. And that Justification is an act of God granted through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and for the true believer can never be revoked. Child of God, know that. Know that. It is an act that cannot and will not be revoked in John 10 verses 27 through 29. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. This is Christ. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them, what? Eternal life. Not just life until they mess up and take it away from them again. Eternal life. Eternal From the moment that you are saved, you are now in eternal life. Oh, this, this body is going to go back to the dust of the earth. But your eternal life began then because we will pass from death into life. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Hallelujah. You see, praise the Lord. Even me, myself, can't separate what God has done. Now I can stumble. I can fall. So can you. And He will come for us. We've talked about that quite often. And He will discipline those He loves. But He will not leave us out there. He will not let us fall completely away. So we're being kept by the power of God. Can we read 1 Peter 1, those verses that talks about that being kept by the power of God? I love those verses. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Now, let me pause. I, has, has begotten us again. In my language, daily language, I don't talk like that. I, I, I tend to talk more like what the ESV and the NESB would, would translate, uh, uh, translate it. That says, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. I like that because that's what happened. He's the one that caused us to be born again. It wasn't ourselves. He, he opened our eyes. 
He caused us to see Him. You see, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Is there anything more powerful than God? No. Nothing and no one, nothing. There is no power above Him, beside Him, no. And we are child of God, born again believer. We are being kept by the power of God, held in His hand, and nothing can separate us from Him and His love. Our justification is final and complete. And I know I've talked about this before, but consider this. A true believer, born-again believer, will never be any more or less justified than we were at the moment that faith came and we were saved. We will never be any more or less justified than that moment when faith came. See, justification is not our work. Justification is His work. And it is complete and finished. It was brought forth by the grace and mercy of the Lord. The weakest believer and the strongest saint are equally justified. Amen? The strongest believer and the weakest saint, equally justified. There are no degrees of being justified. You are either justified or not. See, that's that. You're either a believer or you're an unbeliever. You're either justified or you're unjustified. You're not justified. Now, I do believe that there, there are vastly varying degrees of spiritual maturity. We, we would all have to agree with that, I think. That, that we start out as a babe in Christ. We don't know much other than, other than He is Lord and, and He opened my eyes to see and bless His holy name. And I saw my sin and I saw His majesty and I saw the cross. But then we, we grow. We grow that that process of sanctification. We grow and and there will be degrees of sanctification. That's that process of, of which we're being made more and more into the likeness of Christ. But a person is either justified before God or they are condemned, not justified before God. That's identity. Well, someone may say, well, how do I know if I'm justified or not? Well, it comes back to that question that we've, came across several times in Scripture today, I would ask if somebody would say, well, how do I know if I'm justified? I would ask them this very simple question, do you believe? Well, do I I believe what? Do, Do you believe that you're a sinner? Do you believe that Jesus came to die in your place to pay your penalty for sin? Because the penalty for sin is death. The wrath of God, judgment. But Christ came... To pay that penalty for all who would believe. And the blood of Christ is sufficient to save everyone on the face of the planet. But it is only realized in those who believe. So do you believe that that He died for your sins? Do you believe that He rose from the dead the third day? Paul said, all who believe are justified. So do you believe? So let, let's, let's read Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we call upon him in faith. That is not ours. It is ours, but it's only ours because He gave it to us. You see. We, we, we cry out in faith because He has opened our eyes to see Him. And we call upon Him. We, we call upon Him believing. We call upon Him confessing. We call upon Him uh, repenting. And then we'll turn from our sin and follow Him. In John 3, let's read those verses. John 3, verses 14 through 18. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, talking about being lifted up on the cross, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. See, Brian, you start out talking about the love of God. The love of God. That, That God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. That's love. That's love. That's love. 1 John 4. Verses 9 through 10, 9 and 10. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. Manifested, that means revealed. That we might see, that we might know. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. How was the love of God revealed to us? That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. See, that's love. That's love. Oh, yes, the bad news is sin and the wrath of God and condemnation. But the good news is the gospel of Christ. That God has sent His Son, His only begotten Son, into the world that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we love God. Because we were all once enemies of God. Uh, Before our eyes were opened, we were all enemies, children of wrath. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the payment for our sins. Reconciled to God. Reconciled to God. Let's read one more passage. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 through 21. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ. How are we reconciled? It's through Christ. It's through Christ. It's through Christ. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. This is Paul and those that were traveling with him. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Let me pause there for a moment. 
Child of God, to whom was our sin and trespasses imputed? To Christ. Christ took our sins. What, what did those who believe, what did we receive in return? Imputed righteousness from Him. He took our sin. He gave us His righteousness. See, that's the transaction that took place. He paid for our sins and, and gave us His righteousness. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For He, for God the Father, made Him, His only begotten Son, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in Him, in Christ. God made Jesus to be sin for us. That we might become righteous before Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give You thanks. Just, just to hear the story again from different parts of Scripture of what Christ has done of, of your great love, Father, for us in sending your only begotten Son and of Christ willingly coming, willingly going to the cross to give of himself, the, to become the high priest who would place himself upon the mercy seat to be slain, to be the lamb that was slain so that our sins might be forgiven. So, Father, I pray that even now that, that you might open eyes to the truth of, of what has been read from your word today. And that, Lord, that, that perhaps you might open eyes that they might see your holiness and that they might see their sin. And that then that your word would come alive that they have heard perhaps over and over and over again that there is forgiveness through Christ. So, Father, have mercy. Draw sinners to Yourself. And, Lord, help us, those of us who are born again, who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, help us to forever and always be thankful for what Christ has done. Help us to never get high-minded. <laughs> help us to never think that there must have been something good in us. No. It was all Christ. So, Lord, keep us humble. Help us to know that apart from Christ, we would all yet be sinners in the hands of an angry God. So, Lord, as we, as we prepare to come to the communion table, help us to just get a picture of what transpired some 2,000 years ago. The body of Christ broken, placed upon a cross. His body pierced for our transgressions. His blood shed upon the mercy seat that we might receive justification, salvation, redemption, and that we can stand before You, Father, someday clothed in a robe of righteousness, not of our own doing, but of Christ. A robe of righteousness that was placed upon us by faith and believing and receiving Christ. So help us, Father, to know you more and to forever daily 
give thanks for what Christ has done. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. Amen.